Why is it that we always seem to fight with some people in our lives? Why do we seem to stay in a state of constant disagreement with certain people? Why is it that we just can't seem to get along with some people? Wouldn't it be great to have the answers to those questions? All of us in this room can point to at least one person that we cannot seem to get along with. Now, unfortunately for some of us, it might be the person that we stood up in front of a church with and made our most solemn promises and vows to. Or maybe it's somebody at work, and we just never quite connected with them. You know, anytime we, we have input or we give a presentation or, or we do something at work, they kind of roll their eyes. And anytime they say something, you know, they, they, they pipe up in a meeting, we kind of go, well, we just There's an underlying hostility there. Or maybe it's a neighbor, and, um, and they're just too loud. Or they don't, uh, their yard's kind of junky and messy. You know, they don't keep it the way we think they ought to keep it. And uh, apparently they collect junk cars. And, um, you know, Rick Burgess on his radio program this week said, whatever happened? He said, now neighbors sue each other because somebody won't mow the grass, you know. Or they, he said, whatever happened to, to walking up to the end of the driveway and going, hey, Bob, why not you get this junk car out of here? And then, you know, if he doesn't do it, you, you go fight him. Yeah, have a fist fight. Whoever wins, I mean, the car either stays or it goes. Whatever happened to that? If I was to ask you individually why you don't get along with that person, why, why you don't get along with that particular person, you would do the same thing that I would do if you asked me about that person in my life. We would start to point to the circumstances. Well, she doesn't listen to me. He took credit for my work on that project. She broke her promise. He's never there for the kids. She's never there for me. We would point to the circumstances that we see as the source, the cause of the conflict. We're in the series that we're calling Faith at Work, studying the book of James. and We've been working our way through some of the issues that we face in our walk with the Lord. We've seen some things. We've seen that if we claim to have faith, if we say we believe and we don't take action on our belief. We don't put our belief into practice. It's the same as not believing. That we can believe everything perfectly from a doctrinal standpoint, from a theological standpoint. We can have all that in proper order. We can agree with God about everything. But if we don't put our faith to work, James says, it's worthless. And so the whole book of James is about how to do our faith about answering the question, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus in the real world? How do we apply our faith? How do we put it to work? In other words, what are we supposed to do with what it is we say we believe? And this morning, this passage we're going to look at, James, is going to help us figure out why we fight and why we quarrel and why we have those people in our lives that we cannot seem to get along with. And I'm going to tell you right up front, it is a challenging word. It's going to be quiet in here this morning. I already know that. Okay. But, all, but it's something all of us know in our hearts. It's true. That's the funny thing about the book of James. James is not telling us anything we don't already know. 
Just over and over and over again, he's pointing to, emphasizing those things that need to characterize our lives if we're going to put our faith into practice. This morning, James is calling us to get past the surface, get beyond finger pointing, understand the real cause of trouble and tension in our lives. Before we go any further, I want to make you a promise. I'm going to step out on a limb here, and I'm going to tell you this. If we have the the, the heart and the, the courage and that sounds kind of pansy. If, if we have the guts to open ourselves up this morning, if we, if we will just open our hearts and our minds and not shut down because of who we're sitting next to or because of the circumstances that are going on in our lives, if we will just stay open for about the next 30 minutes, if we'll allow God to put this truth into our hearts, we'll embrace this truth and, and put it to work in our lives. Here's the promise that I will make you. There's the potential here this morning for us to go forth from this place never again blaming other people for our unhappiness and our dissatisfaction. How about that? See, every one of us has people around us. Some of them may be right, sitting right next to us who feel the pressure of our unhappiness and our dissatisfaction. They feel like we feel that our unhappiness and our dissatisfaction is their fault. And the truth is, we do a pretty good job of uh, getting them to feel that, don't we? We do a pretty good job of communicating that blame to them by our words and by our actions. But it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be like that. If we can hear this truth that James is going to tell us and put it to work in our lives, then we can leave here in a few minutes with a new perspective, with a new outlook. And it can help us avoid spending the rest of our lives blaming other people for our unhappiness and our dissatisfaction. We're going to start in James chapter 4, verse 1. We're just going to look at three verses this morning, but we're going to start off with verse 1. You've got your Bible there. Turn to James chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, the Scripture will be up on the screen as we go along. Follow it along there. James 4 verse 1. So what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? That's what we want to know, right? We want to get to the root of that. We want to get to the source of that. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you. Now, I want to tell you what jumps, uh, jumps out at me right off the bat. I mean, just, just jumps right off the page at me. is two different phrases that James uses. James says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Now, look at what he says. James says, among you. And then he says, within you. Now, that's, in, that's significant. Because James knows that we all sort of default to thinking that the reason we have relationship problems is because of what's going on among us. When the truth is that the problems that crop up between us and other people are not rooted in what's going on among us. They're rooted in what's going on within us. Our relationship difficulties do not stem from external conflict between two people. 
Our relationship difficulties come from an internal conflict. And that means that the reason we have conflict here is because we have conflict here. We have conflict within here. And we can't keep it inside. James is using war terminology. He was using war terminology they all would have been familiar with, and he's talking about an explosion. He's talking about a very real battle, and there are explosions, and it spills out. It spills out over into our relationships. It spills out between us and other people, people around us, people closest to us. I cannot for the life of me figure out why the people we are closest to are the ones we seem to hurt the most. But I know it's true because I see it every day in my life and the lives of people around me. Because of my profession, I talk to people every day for whom it's true. James says, here's why. It's because we've got a battle going on in here. And it rages out of control. And we can't contain it. And the people closest to us are going to get hit with the overflow when the lid blows off that eternal conflict. Internal conflict. Now that's hard for us to hear. I can tell because it sounds like nobody's breathing. I can tell because of the clenched teeth. Did you know what James has just done? He's disarmed us. James is, he's taken away our weapons. Because here's, here's why. See, if you hurt me and make me mad at you, then I want everybody else I know to be mad at you too. Isn't that right? I, I, want, to, um, I want to be able to run and tell my story about what you did. I, I want to be able to tell on you. Right? And so, and sometimes we, it's funny how we do this, we'll do a lot of nonverbal things, or mostly nonverbal. We'll walk around like this. And if that doesn't, you know, if people don't realize, don't pick up on it, we may add, throw in a. <sighs> until somebody says, Oh, are you okay? What's wrong? There's our opening. We can tell our story. You know, but if I have to take responsibility for my part in the problem, if I have to take responsibility for my part in our problem, then guess what? I lose the ability to get people to pat my hand and say, oh, you poor thing. I can't believe he would treat you that way. I can't believe she said that to you. James takes away our weapons. The instant I have to deal with the fact that in any conflict, at least part of my problem, at least part of my attitude is due to the conflict that's going on, not between me and you, but the conflict that's going on inside of me. And then I don't get to tell my sad story anymore. Maybe it's just me. I, have you ever known anybody who just wasn't happy unless they were unhappy? 
Oh, you know those people? I mean, someone who, if you took away their stories about how this one did them dirty and that one hurt their feelings and how he treated them wrong and can you believe she said that to me, they wouldn't have anything else to talk about. A lot of us seem to get more pleasure out of telling other people our story than we did displeasure out of the actual offense. And I'm going to tell you, and I don't know that that very many people do this consciously, but there are people that wear their feelings right here, right? They've got a little chip balanced right here, and they're just hoping somebody will knock it off so they can run tell their story. And it's because of the battle that's raging inside of us. And it's because we tend to deal with our relationships just at the surface level. (laughs) That way I can point to the things you said and the things you did. And I can build a case against you. And James says, we got to get past that. If we're going to grow up, we got to get past that and we got to understand that our external conflicts are driven primarily by our internal conflicts. And we don't have any control over those. And when we get a grasp on that, then we can begin to see some change in every relationship we've got. Now, James is going to go on, but it doesn't get much better just yet. Verse 2, first part of verse 2, just the first phrase. You want what you don't have. Hello. You want what you don't have. The NIV says you want something and you don't get it. You know what? I don't have to hear your story this morning to know why you're mad at somebody. <laughs> you don't have to hear my story either to know why I'm mad at somebody. We get angry because we want something we don't have. Mm. Hey, it's tight, but it's right. We get angry because we want something and we aren't getting it and we're mad about it. And it doesn't matter whether we deserve it or not. And it doesn't matter whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. We want something, we aren't getting it, and so we're mad about it. I'm going to tell you, every troubled, angry, depressed person I have ever talked to Once we get past the surface of he he said, she said, well, she promised, he didn't, she wouldn't, when we get right down to the nub of it, the real issue is they want something they don't have. They they want something that they're not getting it, and they don't like it, and it makes them mad. James says that's the real source of our quarrels and conflicts. Hey, James just has a way of stripping away all the stuff, right, and just showing us what it is. Here it is. You want to know the source of your quarrels and conflicts? Here it is. James says it's not because of what she does or what he did or or she broke her promise or I never got an opportunity or or he messed up or they didn't come through. If we're going to grow up and we're going to have a real living faith, applicable faith, we've got to understand that the reason that we're troubled and angry and unhappy and depressed and uncomfortable, the reason that I'm bothered, the reason I get mad at you, the reason I can't seem to get along with that person is I wanted something and I didn't get it. And the funny thing is, we recognize this instantly in children. 
I mean, if we've ever been a parent or been around kids, right? Because kids are all about who's going to sit in that seat. And she's got six toys, and I only have four. And why does he get to go? He went last time. It's my turn to go. And he ate the last nutty bar, and I wanted one. And her cupcake's bigger than mine. She doesn't have to go to bed as early as I do. And we laugh because we, we know those issues are not the real issue. The issue is that kids are selfish. Oh, you never met a more selfish individual in your life than a kid. And some of us never grow out of it. And our Heavenly Father's looking down and He's saying, it's not that He got the front seat and you didn't. It's not even that He got the raise and you didn't. And it's not that she broke her promise. And it's not that they didn't do what they said they would do. The real issue, the reason you're upset and angry and depressed is because you wanted something. And you didn't get it. And if you're going to get past this, if you're going to face up to your responsibility in the whole deal, if you're going to grow up and mature, you've got to get honest enough to understand that the bottom line in most of your conflict is you didn't get your way. It's tough stuff, folks. And I'm sitting right there with you. James goes on. Now he's going to tell us what we don't do or what we do when we don't get our way. That's what he's going to tell us. So again, verse 2. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You know what James is saying? He's saying that when we want something we don't have, we'll do anything to get it. Now, he's not talking about literally taking someone's life. Right? He's not saying we'll murder somebody. Remember, he's talking to Christians. The book of James was written to Christians. That's why I tell you, again, James is not about how to get saved. It's about how to live after you are saved. You understand that. That's the key to understanding the book of James. Okay? This is not heaven or hell stuff. This is about how to live the Christian life on this earth. James says we will go to all kind of extremes to get what we want. We won't cut somebody's throat, but think about this. Think about what we have done to people in our lives trying to get our way. Think about what we've done to our wives or our husbands trying to get our way. Think about how we've treated our kids or our parents or our boss or our coworkers trying to get our way. Think about the people that we have mowed down and pushed down and run over and hurt and in some cases destroyed just because we wanted to get our way. James says we will scheme and kill to get our way. And he says we get jealous. Now, James uses a word here that's only used a handful of times in the New Testament. And it's not jealousy like a boyfriend or a wife would be jealous. It means to burn with envy. It means to hotly pursue something. James is describing something, describing those times 
when we want something so badly that we are willing to do whatever we have to do to whoever we have to do it to to get to that thing that we want. And then watch this. Watch this, because James says at the end of the day, when we've tried to manipulate and we've tried to trick and seduce and cry and beg, we've tried everything in our get-what-I-want kit, we still don't get it. We may get some of what we want, but we don't get all of what we want. We can't. We cannot get what we want. So we get mad and start a fight. Oh, I'm never going to speak to her again. I wish I'd never married him. I wish I had a a new job somewhere else. James says, come on. Grow up. You didn't get your way, did you? But we don't want to talk about that because that makes us look childish. You want to get somebody good, tell them they're acting childish. Because you know what they'll do? They will stamp their widow foot and they will say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not! We don't want to talk about that because that makes us look childish. So we'll f- focus on the, on the circumstances. James says, give it up. The, you know, the problem is you didn't get your way. You know what I do sometimes? I'll, I'll eat a great meal that my beautiful bride has prepared for our family. And yeah, I probably eat a little more than I should. And I, why'd you laugh at that? hurt my feelings. Now I'm going to be mad at you. <laughs> I'll lean back from the table and I'll say something like, man, I am so full. Down home you say, I am full as a tick. I don't think I'll ever eat again. And an hour later, I'm staring in the refrigerator. <laughs> or I'm rummaging through the pantry looking for a snack. Why do we do that? Why does that happen? It happens because we think when we feed something that it's done. Right? We fed it. Now it's, it's, it's done. But it's not. It never is. The truth is that appetite, that desire, that need is going to come back again. And it's going to demand more. And it's going to demand to be fed again and again, and again. And James says, if we fall into the trap, if we exhaust every manipulation we've got against another person, threats, anger, yelling, withholding affection, cold shoulder, leaving, Hello. We run through our bag of tricks. At the end of the day, guess what? We're still not going to have what we want. And we're still going to be angry. And we're still going to argue. And we're still going to fight. 
and we're still going to be unhappy. And then we blame other people for our anger and our unhappiness. You're the reason I'm angry. You're the reason I'm unhappy. If you would just do these five things the way I want you to do them, then I'd be happy. I'm unhappy because of you. Because you won't do, you will not do what I want you to do. And we say that about our relationships. We say that about our job. We say that about our financial situation. And we find ourselves in this mess of a life because we've learned or we've been taught or we've picked up from somewhere that we've got to try to squeeze what we want and what we need out of the people and the environments around us. But guess what? We cannot find what we need out there. And so we think something's wrong with them. So we've got to find a new one. New person, new relationship, new job, new toy, new hobby. But it won't be long before that new thing is not giving us what we want either. And we're trapped in a cycle of, of fighting and manipulating and trying to bully our way into getting what we will never have. James says, I, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You're never going to get everything you need or want from another person. And you're always going to, then that's always going to make you blame other people. And that is what is causing your problems and your unhappiness. Now, I, you know, without very much effort, I, I dare say that every one of us can think of another person in our lives who is feeling the pressure of our unhappiness and our dissatisfaction. We married them, or we partnered with them, or we took their job, or we joined their team, or we had kids with them. And what we were thinking was, everything I need, everything I'm longing for is right here. In this person is all of the, the love and, and nurture and acceptance that I need. In this, in this job, on this team, is all of the recognition and, and compensation all the respect that I'm looking for. But it wasn't. Because nobody can be that for another person. Nothing can ever be that. And so we get mad at them because they're not meeting this expectation that we created for them. And don't, don't ever forget, they feel that pressure. They may not be able to explain it the way we've explained it here this morning, but A, they can sense that pressure. They feel it. James is saying, if you want to grow up, you want to stop acting like a child. If you want to do something that will radically change your relationships, then you step up and say, hey, you know what? My problem with you is not all you. A very, very big part of my problem in this situation is a war that's going on inside of me that I am not the least bit talented at getting under control. And, and the truth is, 
A big part of my problem and what's going on between you and me right now is the fact that I want something and I'm not getting it and I've blamed you. And I'm sorry. You want to talk about life change? You want to talk about transformation? That kind of honesty about our internal struggle has the power to change any relationship. It has the power to change our marriages and our partnerships and our parent-child relationships. James is saying if our faith is going to work itself out in our relationships, we've got to start looking through that lens. And then at the tail end of verse 2, James gives us a completely different way of thinking about things. Again, verse 2, you want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. (laughs) James says, hey, followers of Jesus... You ever thought about asking God for this stuff instead of trying to coerce it out of everybody and everything around you? Have you ever thought about saying, God, I'm I'm so unhappy and I'm blaming other people for that. God, will you please make me happy? Has it ever occurred to you to go to God with your need for love and acceptance? instead of fighting and quarreling with everybody around you? Has has that ever crossed your mind? It's almost, James writes this whole book with his elbow in our ribs. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the fact you don't have what you want because you're trying to get it from people who can never give it to you? And you know, I'm just like you. This is not our natural tendency. Our natural tendency is to use the skills that we have developed throughout life to try to get what we need from people around us. And the truth is, it works better for some people than it does others. I mean, all of us know, all of us know people who are quite skilled at getting their need for love and their need for acceptance and their need for respect out of other people. They've just developed that, honed that to a high level of skill. Others of us can't get it no matter what we do. And most of us kind of right in the middle. But the truth is, no matter how skilled we are, we can never get everything we need. We'll never get everything we want from somebody else. And so we stay angry and frustrated and unhappy. And and James says, why do you want to spend one more minute trying to get what you need and what you want out of another person? How about a new game plan? How about recognizing that the reason we we don't have what we want or what we need is because we've never thought about asking God for it. We've seen ourselves and, and our skills and our personality and our charisma or our ability to talk to people or our ability to charm people or our ability to negotiate as being the source of what we need. But that's not true, James is going to tell us. God is the source of everything we need. Look back. In James chapter 1, verse 17. 
James says, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Now, most of you can read English. How many good and perfect things come to us from God the Father? All of them. Everything. In fact, some translations say every good and perfect gift come to us from God the Father. James is telling us that our Heavenly Father is the source of everything we need. So instead of subjecting everyone around us to the pressure of being what we need, to the pressure of giving us what we want, ask God for it. But be ready. Because if you ask for it, and you don't need it, it doesn't need to be part of your life, it's not going to help you grow, it's not going to help you develop, you ain't going to get it. And you can attack your lack and positively confess. You can put your Scripture index cards up all over the place. If it's not supposed to be part of your life, you're not going to get it. But bring God into the equation. Remember that the source of every good thing, the source of every perfect thing we want and need in our lives is Him. That means the next time your husband or your wife or your boss lets you down, Instead of going in there and letting them have it, go to God with it. Go to God with it. God, I'm, I'm, I'm lonely. I'm unhappy. I feel like no one understands me. Lord, I, I deserved that raise. God, they hurt my feelings. Lord, she, she doesn't understand. But God, they're not my source. You are my source. I'm bringing it to you. I'm not going to go unload it on them. I'm giving it to you, God. And I realize the reason I'm feeling this way is because I'm not getting my way. So I'm bringing it all to you. And again, we're almost done. But we got to know this. God is not just a good father. He's a perfect father. And, and let me tell you what that means. That means in every interaction with us, His children, God is going to act in precisely the way He needs to act for our maximum growth and maturity. And that means sometimes when we come to Him and ask for something, He is going to say no. Now bless some of your hearts. You never had anybody say no to you your whole life. And God's going to hurt your feelings. Not because He doesn't like you. Because He loves you. Because He knows what's best for you. Because He knows what you need better than you know what you need. Look at verse 3. James says, even when you ask, you don't get it. Because your motives are all wrong. <laughs> you only want what will give you pleasure. That's how we're wired up. 
We, we gravitate toward things that feel good, and we stay away from things that don't feel good. And James says we're, we're caught in a cycle. We're caught in the cycle of trying to satisfy our needs and our wants and our desires. God, I need a new car. Lord, I need a raise. God, I need to trade him or her in for a new one. Lord, I need better kids. And there are going to be times when God says no. And then what are you going to do? What are we going to do? Because that's the point where we have to decide who we belong to and who we serve. And who's in charge? And who's Lord? We bring every desire and need and wish to God. And because He knows what's best for you and He knows what's best for me, there are going to be times when He says yes and there are going to be times when He says no. And if we can get that, if we can get to where we understand that, then that's a whole lot better system than trying to squeeze and use and manipulate other people to give us what we want. It, it will free us from using other people to our own ends, and it will release us to the liberty of living with Jesus Christ as Lord and with God as our only source of supply. Now bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Father God, 